Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, I'm Jake from the Total Screamers podcast. The Premier League's in full swing and that means it's time to throw on your club shirt and make sure you don't take a nasty tackle below the waist. Our partners at Manscaped are here so you stay clean and take care of yourself where it matters most. Manscaped is trusted by over 2 million men worldwide. Join the movement for all your below the waist grooming needs with the code SCREAMERS20 at manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping on your order. That's SCREAMERS20 at manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping on your order. Hello everybody, welcome back to the Total Screamers podcast. I'm Jake and today I'm joined by Billy. Billy, how are you doing? I'm very well, mate. Thank you. How are you? Not too bad, thank you. And we're also joined by Kai. Kai, how's it going, mate? Yeah, really well. Cheers for having me, guys. Looking forward to it. Do you want to just introduce yourself, what uh, podcast you're from, uh, and a little bit like that? Give us a little bit about yourself. <laughs> yeah, sure thing. So, yeah, thanks again for having me. Uh, my name is Kai, or Kaitel. I'm uh, one of the hosts and founders of the United Mates football podcast. The other host is my best friend, Joe. We went to school together back in the day. He lives in our hometown, London. I'm out here in Los Angeles these days. If you can watch in video, you'll see some Arsenal stuff behind me. So that's where my allegiances, unfortunately, <laughs> lie these days. <laughs> perfect, perfect. Yeah, so we've got, uh, we've got Kai on today to do our Premier League review. Some of the other lads are working and busy in general. So we've uh, got a slightly different lineup this week. Lads, we'll jump right in. Billy, I know you were a bit fuming about the weekend, so we'll start with Villa. Villa against Manchester United. Man United winning 3-1. A game shrouded, I'd imagine, in controversy from the Villa perspective. Mm-hmm. Billy, floor is yours. It was just a complete and utter farce, wasn't it, really? I mean, I'll start off at the beginning. Um, we we had a great first half, scored a great goal going into half-time, 1-0 up. Not, not much... I can really say other than that regarding the first half and then the second half comes two very poor goals conceded early on 
I mean, Douglas Louise gave away what was a stonewall penalty. I don't think anyone can disagree with that. The only thing that annoys me is the inconsistency that these penalties are being given. Mm -hmm. You saw the day before Raheem Sterling was, or should have had a penalty against Kurt Zuma. He had about four or five bites at him, yet nothing was given. Um, And then you've got the Greenwood handball as well, which apparently your arm up in the air like that is now a natural (laughs) position. And you can just guarantee that if it was the other way around, it would have been a penalty, 100%. But because it was against Villa instead, no, for Villa, sorry, instead of against, then they didn't give it. Uh, United then soon got their third, didn't they? In the, I think it was the 87th minute or something. Cavani, some great movement. Can't really complain about that. And then the real controversy struck. 89th minute, Watkins has a ball played through to him as he's chasing uh, Dean Henderson, brings him down, and instead of give a penalty, he was sent off for diving. <laughs> oh. it, it, it's, it's a disgrace. Like, it was never a dive. There was clear contact. There was no daylight between the two players. How the ref could have been 100% sure that that was a penalty, it's impossible. He couldn't have been 100% sure that it was a red card, sorry. He couldn't have been 100% sure that he died. And the fact that the referee was from Manchester, officiating <laughs> a game between Manchester United, there's there's questions that have need that need to be asked, really. The, the, the red card for me, I mean... I watched it back. Um, initially, I thought, oh, he, he might dive there. Do you know what sort of your standard speed and stuff like that? And obviously, VAR was brought in to, to combat this this sort of thing, help the referee out. And like you say, you watch the replay back, you, they slow it down and, and you see the contact and you think, penalty, no no red card. And then he's, it's given anyway. I mean, Kai, what what did you make about, you know, the, the, the red card controversy? I mean, going back to the first yellow card, it looked a bad foul on on Harry Maguire. It probably looked worse than it was. So that was a definite yellow card, quite a strong yellow card, actually. And then at first glance as well, I tend to agree with uh, with you, Jake, that it looked potentially like a dive as well, just given sort of the circumstances. They're chasing the game. You think, yeah. well, why wouldn't you dive in this case, try to win a penalty? He wasn't going to yeah. score. Yeah. Um, upon, yeah, second look, I guess, the ref doesn't look too smart. I guess maybe just kind of, covering his own decision in the first place he gives the initial yellow card and though you know they look they take a look and you kind of stick stick with it but there's not yeah I don't know much more to say than that I think I think it's from an outside perspective not as much of a kind of controversy obviously you know Billy I, I can you know hear where you're coming from but um it's a shame because Watkins you know he's not really that type of player necessarily um and he's yeah. your top goal scorer as well so you'll miss him now um for the next game but um, I thought as far as the penalty decision, Douglas Louise, that's the second time he's given a penalty away to Pogba. I believe this season he already did it at Old Trafford. The first I think one was he was an ex-United player, not an ex-City player. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. The, the one at Old Trafford was much more controversial than this one, but um, he, he, he tends to sort of make some of those like hot-headed decisions in terms of jumping into the tackle, Louise. And you could see from the uh, Villa players' reactions around him, half of them were just like, oh, why Why have you done that? You know, they can't even defend him. But 
yeah, for Watkins, it's a different story. Um, that was that was harsh, and obviously, you know, the game's dead at that point. So I guess again, from an outsider's perspective, it doesn't you know it doesn't add to the controversy. But um, what do you make in general of some of these England lads like Watkins? Obviously, Grealish has been missing, and then you've got Mings and and Konza. Um, do you think any of these lads are going to end up on the on the planes of the Euros, Billy? Um, I do. Yeah, I think Grealish for me has got to go a hundred percent. He's apparently he's back in training this week, so hopefully he'll be fit for the Everton game on Thursday. If not, you're probably looking at Crystal Palace at the weekend. But even so, he should be back firing soon. Hopefully, so a fit Jack Grealish has a hundred percent got to go. Watkins, you've got a bit more competition with, obviously, Patrick Bamford, Danny Ings, Callum Wilson, along with Harry Kane and Calvert-Lewin. But the thing that none of the others give you is a workhorse who will run and run and run and run and run. Like, that's the thing with uh, Ollie Watkins, and that's the thing that I've been so impressed with him. Um, just the constant running, it's just ridiculous. And then you've obviously got the defence, Um Mings will go 100%. Konza, I would love to see go, but I think it's just come a bit too early for him. And then and then you've obviously got Target as well at left-back, who's had a fantastic season. Really, yeah, been, really underrated really good, player. He? Yeah, he's been fantastic. Like, talk, talk to me last year about him, and he was very below par. Mm. But this season, he's improved no end, and he's so, so good. So important to this Villa side. So, but it's also hard when you've got someone like Luke Shaw and Ben Chilwell as well. So I don't, I don't think um, it'll go. Unfortunately, another one I think that's probably a bit too soon. If one of them was to get an injury, then I'd say that he probably would do. But I can't see it happening with only a few more weeks left. Yeah, I mean, I'd agree with you, Billy. I think Grealish is hundred percent going. Uh, I'd like to see him have a couple of performances before the end of the season, even mm-hmm. if it's just off the bench, start to get a bit of that match sharpness back. I agree, Mings is definitely going to go, especially now Harry Maguire potentially could be out. I mean, they don't, yeah. they haven't released anything on him yet, have they, about how long he's going to be out for, if he is out at all. Um, but, you know, he limped off and it looked quite serious. So I think potentially with, with Maguire going, if it, Maguire doesn't go, I think Konza potentially is in with a shout as a, you know, your backup, backup yeah. defender. Um, so it could be an interesting one. I'd definitely keep an eye on on sort of the Maguire situation and, and what England do from there. Um, but yeah, I, I just I agree with you. I think I think Villa were really good in the first half, really good. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I thought it was quite a good continued performance from the week before. Um, and then the second half, those two quick goals just killed killed you off yeah. like completely, completely killed you off. Took the sting out of your game uh, and then Cavani scoring obviously finished the game off and then Watkins sending off was definitely, is definitely the, the over thing, the thing is that that Cavani goal went in and you just kind of knew that it was over but had that penalty have been given and had we have scored that mm-hmm. penalty I know there's a lot of ifs going on at the minute but had <laughs> you scored that penalty there was six minutes added on we had Watkins Davis and Wesley all on the pitch. anything could happen yeah, exactly. With the way that we've been pre- or that we were pressing them in the last twenty minutes, you can't say that there wouldn't have been another goal for definite mm. because you just can't. You just can't say it. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> and it's football. It's a funny game, isn't it? Anything can happen, and we saw it at Old Trafford before when Everton scored to make it three three in the last minute. 
Mm. So, yeah, as I say, anything can happen, but unfortunately it didn't. I agree. Um, moving on, lads, to the prequel, I guess, of the Champions League final. Uh, Man City, Chelsea. Man City had the chance to potentially win the league. Uh, they didn't, and largely down to, I think, Aguero's dreadful, dreadful, dreadful <laughs> Penenka penalty. Kai, we'll start with you. Uh, what did you make of this game in general? Sum it up, sort of sum it up for us and then go on to that shocking penalty. <laughs> well, obviously City rested, what was it? I think their entire back line and somehow managed to field mm. a back line that was more expensive than their first choice back line, which just goes to show you like the spoil of riches that they have available to them. Um Aguero didn't seem to want to score on the day, even for Sterling's goal. He had to like take it off Aguero's feet to put it in the back of the net. Aguero was going to mess that open goal up as well. So yeah, and then you know Panenka Gate. So hopefully, well, as an Arsenal fan, I'm hoping that Aguero does come true on that promise to not leave City until they've won a Champions League title. Because what could be worse than Chelsea winning another one? But um, <laughs> as far as the kind of Chelsea turnaround. Uh, obviously, Callum Hudson-Odoi was quite influential off the bench. I think another player yeah. who, despite not being a consistent kind of starter, probably deserves a place on the on the plane just because he can do things and change a game in a way that not many England players can. Um, on the Ziyech goal, kind of similar to Greenwood's goal in some ways um, against Very Villa, get, you know, keep, keeper getting beaten at the, the near post. Um, but... I'm always in two minds about that as far as is it a big deal? It's kind of like that narrative that's been drilled in by the likes of probably like Roy Keane and Graham Sooners. <laughs> you know, you can't get beaten at your near post. But like, what does that really mean? Have either of them ever even played in goal? It's like me giving my opinion on like astrophysics <laughs> or something. But, um, Z- Ziyech in, in general, though, or Ziyech, however, however I should say it, it's been quite a strange season for him. Obviously, he came in mm. quite high profile signing bags and bags of talent kind of at times reminds you of sort of like an Ozil player but maybe a bit more dynamic on the ball um he's gotten you know to the Champions League finally got to the semis with with Ajax and he scored the goal the other day so again you know you look at City fielding that back line you look at Chelsea signing a player for millions and millions who hardly plays but he can come on you know he can play in this game like this and make an impact so just shows you kind of like what the rest of the league are competing with and then Alonso kind of like you I don't love the guy. I don't know too many players or fans outside of Chelsea <laughs> who do, but he's, to be fair to him, I think I saw a stat goal scoring wise, he's scored uh, 24 goals in his Chelsea career versus 13 in his entire career up to that, which included spells at what Bolton and Sunderland. So he's come a long way from those days. But Chelsea, what, you know, again, really impressive under two Tuchel since he's he's come in you know they've come from sort of floundering under Lampard to now on course potentially for a double they're in the FA Cup final against Leicester and they're in the Champions League final and they're you know pretty nailed on at this point if they continue this form to guarantee Champions League football through their league position as well so as far as the rest of the specifics from within the game I'll throw that back over to you guys but I thought it's kind of just Chelsea marching on at the minute and City with not well the league to play for but you think they'll still wrap it up so yeah it's a really good point um, that that we've made a couple of times about the riches that Man City and Chelsea both have Um, like you say when you can rest your your entire back line and bring in a more expensive back line to replace your first team back line I mean that's ridiculous Um, there was another nine changes Exactly, you know, nine changes. <laughs> when you've got a, a sort of a backup front three of of Jesus, Aguero, and Sterling, I mean, it's just ridiculous. And I, I, I just think that, 
Liverpool's league title win last season is like getting sort of massively overlooked at the fact that Man City should be winning the league every year, like for this yeah. squad alone. And and I think, you know, being a Liverpool fan, I'm going to blow our trumpet a little bit here. We deserve a lot of credit <laughs> for breaking the, the monotony of City a little bit and challenging them and actually giving them a, a title challenge. Because um, we've seen this season, you know, they've just walked away with it. And, you know, they they can... They've had four home defeats this season, the most that Pep's ever had at home, and you know they're still walking the title. Um, in terms of, do I think this gives Chelsea an advantage for the final? No, because Billy, like you've just mentioned, nine changes. It's it's a second string, a very good second string Man City side, but their first first eleven is it's just ridiculous. Um, Billy, we'll move on to you. What what do you think? What did you think of the game in general? I think you two have just summed it up perfectly, to be honest with mm. you. Man City made another char- nine changes. And Chelsea got another win against the second string Man City side. I don't think that come to the Champions League final, I still think uh, Man City are going to win it, to be honest with you. Um, I just can't see many teams being able to beat uh, seriously fully fit Man City mm. 11. Because <clears throat> that's the thing, Man City are... Uh, able to rest these players now. Chelsea still have got Champions League football to fight for along as yeah. along with the uh the Champions League final. And I, d- I don't know, Chelsea don't have the depth either, do they? And I no. saw I saw someone I can't remember off the top of my head who it was, but he said that Man City this season or at the beginning of the season anyway were a very beatable team. Mm. But as the season's gone on, and players of teams have got tired. Man City have been able to, with Pep Roulette, been able to come up, <laughs> rest players, nine changes week in, week out. And there's a reason, that's the reason <laughs> that they're where they are, in my opinion. I think they are, yeah. a, I think they're more than a beatable side, but the changes that they, they're they able to make, make them an unbeatable side. <laughs> But one one thing I wanted to add though, could Chelsea be title contenders next season? Um, I personally think that they should be. Mm. Definitely, the way that Tuchel's come in, like you said, Kai, and he, he's turned them from a, a potentially a season where it looked like it was going to be no Champions League football and no trophy to, like you said again, Kai, a double potentially is on the cards here. They could be winning a double, um, and they look solid. You know, they're not conceding many goals. The, uh, he seems to have got Timo Werner playing at Blight, missing still a lot of chances, but he's looking dangerous. Um, Ziyech is, is fit in scoring. Pulisic looks good. Havertz. Uh, Havertz is starting to find some form. Mm. Yeah, I think Chelsea next season should be title contenders, definitely. Um, You've not mentioned Mason Mount there either. And Mason <laughs> Mount, yeah, who's been their best player all season. I completely forgot about him. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I mean, you know, that front sort of five or six that we've just named there is really good. And, you know, N'Golo Kante looks back to his best as well in that sort of defensive role, just sweeping up everything in front of him. He looks really good again. Um, so, yeah, I think they are, they should be title contenders. Uh, uh, and if they're not then they probably need to look at what's gone wrong go on Kai I think they have something that City don't have is the mixture of kind of the the age range and the experience City have got players who've been there and done that and won the Premier League but besides what Fernandinho you'd think towards their starting 11 and maybe Aguero no players who've entered their their 30s pretty much whereas Chelsea have the likes of Azpilicueta they have Thiago Silva um, and they've got 
you know, Alonso's kind of getting up there as well. Uh, Ingolo Kante's won a World Cup. He's probably getting towards 30 now as well. So hmm. they've got that blend of experience along with players like Callum Hudson-Odoi, Christensen, um, Pulisic, Mount, who are kind of not in their prime yet, but approaching yeah. approaching yeah. those levels at quite a frightening kind of pace. They're, they're already this good. How good could they be? Especially when you think how much Tuchel's been able to get out of them compared to Lampard. Clearly, he's a game changer as well. Give him an entire season with that squad. Um, you never really know. So I think given potentially further investment, especially if, say, they were to, well, it looks like you know they're probably favorites for the FA Cup. Um, if they were to pull off the Champions League, you'd think, you, who knows who, could they, who they could attract to the club. So I think um, they should be, as you guys have both said, they should be challenging next season. If they don't, there would have to be a bit of an inquest. Mm. Couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. What's your prediction for the final? Billy, we'll go with you. Uh, Man City. Man City. Kai. Unfortunately. <laughs> Kai, prediction for the Champions League I final? I, I said that I want it to be City, but I think that Chelsea are in a better place to beat them than Real Madrid would have been. And just given mm. the run of form that they're in and the type of quality players they have in the attacking third and sort of their resilience at the back, I think it could really go either way. But I would be inclined to probably say City. I'd, I'd agree. I think... Chelsea are definitely a stronger side than Real Madrid. Um, defensively, they're stronger. But as much I, I, I don't want City to win it, but I do think they will. I <laughs> know. Um, so, yeah, I think we're all in the same boat there, aren't we? We don't it's, want City to win it, but we think they will. <laughs> yeah, I don't. You know, I couldn't think of two worse sides to be in a final. Like, <laughs> um, uh, but you know what? What can you do? It's. It's the devil, the devil you hate the least, I think. Um, but we'll move on uh, to Leeds Tottenham, a game that I know me and Billy didn't watch because we were watching the uh, the championship <laughs> carnage that was going on <laughs> down the zone in the championship, but both caught the highlights. Um, and Leeds, from what I gathered, were good value for this win. Uh, some really, really good goals as well. And, and Tottenham just didn't look at the races at all. Kai, we'll start with you. Being a gunner, must have been... Buzzing to see Leeds put uh, Tottenham to the sword. <laughs> yeah, barring the Carabao Cup final that City just customarily win every season, so that wasn't a surprise. This was kind of a bit of a bursting <laughs> the, the Spurs-Ryan Mason bubble a bit since he's mm. come in and back down to earth. Um, yeah, Leeds decent value in someone like Stuart Dallas, who for some reason the commentator that I was listening to kept calling him Dallas, as if he was like William Gallas, but... Um, he's got to be like an outside contender for uh, one of the one of the players of the season on, on, on many levels. The guy, as you mentioned um, earlier, Billy, with um, Ollie Watkins, just like perpetual motion, never stops running. Mm. That's the entire kind of Leeds ethos is this this murder ball kind of just like the entire team is just running and running and running. And uh, Stuart Dallas, I almost called him Dallas there myself. He, he kind of encapsulates <laughs> that. But he got the, the first after I think it was um, a mistake from Regrion, um, which Loris made a really good save, but then Dallas followed really up. Really good save. Yeah. And it was, um, yeah, it was, if, if that hadn't gone in eventually, that would have been like up there for save of the season. Um, Bamford has 15 in 35 this season compared to one in 27 across the other Premier League spells that he's had. Um, so just how he's come on leaps and bounds with, you know, potentially a spot in the Euro squad as well, like you guys referenced really impressive and um to top it off rodrigo who i think probably has to be the club's record signing has flattered to deceive a bit this is actually his lowest goal scoring season i think since 2015 but i have a mate who's a leeds fan and he's been quite kind of quietly impressed with the contribution um that 
that Rodrigo's made. Again, another one who's come a long way from Bolton. Um, but um, I think um, Spurs, from their perspective, I've got my best mate, who is my co-host, is a, is a Spurs fan. We have this kind of weird Arsenal-Spurs dynamic. But through that, we follow a lot of Spurs Twitter accounts. And I've seen actually some, again, kind of positivity even still surrounding this result, just because I think of some of the ethos that Mason's brought in as well as um, reintroducing someone like Deli Ali, He got an assist, yeah. which I think was actually his first goal contribution of any sort in the Premier League this season. Um, irrecognizable kind of from seasons in the past and not just because of his haircut at the minute. But um, <laughs> that was good to see him kind of, you know, slip in Son, who actually this is Son's best goal scoring season uh, for mm-hmm. Spurs. So if they can hang on to, to Son, which, you know, there's question marks about sort of him and, and Kane's futures um, and kind of, probably get a new manager in. They're talking about the likes of Rodgers, maybe Graham Potter even. Um, I think Spurs are, it's all looking a bit better than it did a couple of weeks ago for them in light of the European Super League and, and Mourinho leaving. But I sound like I'm kind of in behind Spurs. No, it was lovely to see them lose 3-1 to Leeds, basically. <laughs> uh, Billy, what did you make of this one, buddy? Um, just going to echo you two again, to be honest with you. <laughs> Um, yeah, credit to Leeds. They they play some really enjoyable football to watch, don't they? Just so attacking all the time. And uh, yeah, credit to them. Credit to them. I think oh, it wouldn't surprise me, to be honest, though, if we was to see an Arsenal and uh, Arsenal Spurs scrap for Graham Potter. <laughs> what, mm. what are your thoughts I'd on take that? I'd probably, guy? yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've just been so <laughs> yeah, so disappointed with Arteta, especially in, in recent weeks. There's for a while I was I've always been that guy who's like, you know, the manager sees these players day in, day out on the training pitch. He knows better or he knows something that we don't. But the amount of times I've been looking at, you know, the TV and thinking I could whether or not do a better job in the long term, make a decision in this moment that would probably impact the game more than his lack of a decision has just been like astounding. Um, compounded by the Villarreal kind of two legs. Um, we obviously got the win against uh, West Brom the other day, which we might we might touch on. But yeah, Arteta, they seem to have put their eggs in the Arteta basket at this point. So there's no strong, strong, not as strong rumblings as you might expect about his kind of departure. So he might, he might be there next season. But on Graham Potter, I think he's, you know, another kind of contender. If, if Brighton had um, turned draws and, you know, defeats into wins which they easily could have everyone knows about their fabled like xg versus what they actually couldn't put in the back of the net they would easily be you know around where arsenal are at at this point if, if not above them i don't know what you guys think about that but i also kind of wanted to flip uh the leads kind of situation do you think that they could be contenders for european football next season um i don't see why not with the right investment and i think with someone like bielsa in charge he knows what he wants, doesn't he? He's kind of similar to Klopp in that way. If he if he wants a player, he'll go and get them kind of thing. So, yeah, I don't see why Leeds can't do that. Um, yeah, certainly. Just kind of go for it kind of thing. Hope Well, I, I hope they don't as a kind of mid-table <laughs> rival, if you like. But, yeah, I don't see why they couldn't start pushing for European football, a bit like Villa, hopefully, next season. Yeah, I think that... With some good investment in the summer, Leeds definitely can can push for a Europa League sort of spot or be around that sort of area. But I think that Leeds and Bielsa will be conscious of not sort of overspending 
and not pushing too much because obviously they'll have one eye on what happened last time they tried to hunt for Europe, <laughs> uh, nearly bankrupting the club, etc. Um, but I think that I think the, with the right manager, they've got the right guy. They've got a nice young squad, a good mix of, of ages in there as well. Um, I, I do think that Leeds have got a good chance next year. But going back to Tottenham, um, their season's been a write-off for a while. And obviously the Super League and, and Jose getting sacked is, is and Ryan Mason coming in. I mean, I don't think many Spurs fans were expecting him to, to perform miracles and get them in the Champions League <laughs> at 29 years old. I mean, that he'd have probably won manager of the year if he'd have done that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I think that it's going to be an interesting summer for Tottenham, depending on who they get in as a manager and what bids come in for certain players. I think if they lose one of Kane or Son, then I think they're in real trouble. Real trouble if they get if they lose one of those and potentially Deli Ali as well, then I, I do think they're in trouble. I do like Deli Ali and it's good to see him back uh, playing, performing well. He's obviously enjoying his football again, which is always good to see. But I think it's too late for him for an England call up. Definitely, he's not going to get yeah. in that squad. Not going to get in the squad. Uh, so yeah, for me, it's an interesting summer for Tottenham of what they do, where they go from here. We know Levy wants an elite manager. Tottenham aren't an elite club. So, you know, he's, he's going to have to sort of be casting his his fishing rod out there and the hoping that someone takes him Pochettino. Exactly. You know, they had Pochettino yeah, yeah. and they sacked him. And getting Jose in took them a, a backwards, in my opinion. And, and they're now reaping the rewards of a, another failed Jose experiment at another club. <laughs> <laughs> so it'll be interesting to see also what he does. Go on, mate. Uh, Rogers, sorry, like one of your former managers, obviously a Liverpool manager, Brendan Rogers. Would he be kind of crazy to go from Leicester to, to Spurs or would that still kind of in the grand scheme of things be a step up? Absolutely. No. I think he'd be crazy to leave Leicester. Yeah. I, you agree, know, I agree with you, Jake. Uh, yeah, I think that Leicester are in a much stronger position. I think the, the problem with Tottenham is that, that there's a lot of hype around the club that's not really done anything. You know, they've got a nice stadium. They've got some good players. They've got a really good infrastructure, but there's nothing really there that suggests that they're going upwards. Every season they've they've gone, they sort of declined. Their players are starting to get a little bit older. Kane looks like he's sort of pushing to potentially leave and he's their biggest asset, you know? So I, I think you know, Rodgers has, has built something good at Leicester. Um, it'll be interesting to see if he can keep them in the, the Champions League spots. Uh, if he sort of bottles that again, with the Leicester side, then mm-hmm. there may be question marks whether he'll, what he'll be thinking. But I, th- I think I don't think he would want to leave a Leicester side to go to a Tottenham side that's in a rut, has an owner that seems to be a little bit trigger happy at the moment and is sort of just looking for instant success without really spending the money. So for me, no, I, I don't think that Brennan Rodgers would leave. I, I know he said he's come out and said he wouldn't leave, but a lot of people do that, don't they? So, yeah. Billy, what would you think? Would you think Rodgers would leave Leicester to go to Tottenham? He would be the craziest man on earth to leave such a well-run club in Leicester to to go to a shambles at Spurs, to be honest with you. The way that... I, I know we've gone on about it a, a fair bit recently, the way that a team like Leicester are being run. But you can't you can't look past it, can you? They're such no. a... They really are such a well-run team from top to bottom. It As I say, he'd be mental it would be stupid to leave uh it would be mental to leave Leicester to go to Spurs there we go I've got it out (laughs) Kai if you were Brendan Rodgers and you were sat at home would you what would you do if Daniel Levy rings you and says come be my manager at Tottenham 
I'd want major, major guarantees of access to to funds in the first place, and I'd probably want to bring a few of my Leicester players with me because um, they've <laughs> yeah. done such a good job. I don't know how involved he is in the actual recruitment or if they have, you know, scout a bit what the scouting network's like. But you know, the likes of Fafana, Soyuncu, um, uh, Ian Acho at this point as well. Uh, it took him a minute to get going, but he's brilliant. Tielemans. Um, it's been really, really impressive how they've been able to sort of tempt these players to Leicester in the first place. And seems like they're all enjoying their football. They play good football. Um, I think probably James Madison's gone slightly off off the boil and whatnot. And I think some injuries throughout the season as well. But um, if they can continue to do what they've been doing, which is either lose players to other clubs or, you know, you'd think there's only so much longer that Vardy can go, but they have all these successors waiting in the in the wings who are quite young and are probably only going to get better. So I think Rodgers could really build something. And if he does finish top four this season, there's no reason why they shouldn't, you know, be aiming for at least another kind of fourth place finish next season. Absolutely, mate. Absolutely, I agree with you 100%. I don't think that Rodgers would, contemplate that phone call no not for me uh, probably just laugh in his face and put it back down <laughs> yeah that's probably the more likely one uh kai will move on to arsenal while we briefly touched on them obviously they just west uh, west brom releg- relegated west brom at the weekend uh big sam finally gets relegated billy i know you were buzzing about that um, but we'll start with kai arsenal winning quite comfortably as you'd expect against the poor West Brom side who've been mm-hmm. poor pretty much all season uh, and to be honest two absolute stunners from Pepe and William brilliant goals um, Kai floor's yours mate talk about Arsenal yeah I mean even Smith Rowe's flying volley that was sort yeah, of made in the hay as well. uh, <laughs> from Saka good, good goal as well so it's one of those things where I wish the kind of circumstances going into the game were different because I would have taken even more sort of joy from the, from the performance but uh, it's a bit of a damp kind of kind of occasion. Um, no, we, we we played well. We played much better than we have in in recent weeks. I think, as you mentioned, West Brom are not a great team, so that makes it a bit easier to begin with. Um, but it's papering over, you know, a lot of cracks, and actually, if anything, exposing a lot of flaws from decisions that Arteta's made in the past, like not switching to Saka at left back sooner after Kieran Tierney's injury. That was something that he did implement against West Brom and it worked really well. Saka was brilliant. Um, it's a little more difficult to have a plan to kind of man mark a left back than a left winger or a right winger. And so Saka had a bit more freedom to get forward from that position in the first place. Martinelli was started up top. I think he might be a victim of sort of trying a bit too hard to impress, given he's come back from injuries. He wants to kind of make a good impression. He didn't have a particularly good game, but I think he's still young and uh, we've sort of seen what he can do in the past. So hopefully that is building towards something more positive. Otherwise, he put Gabriel back in. I don't know why he sort of take him in, take him out in the first place. Um, Pablo Marie, the other centre-back who sort of lost his spot, had been preferred recently and hasn't done a whole lot wrong, but I think there's a higher ceiling for Gabriel. So it was good to see him back in. Likewise, Callum Chambers, who's had a lot of injury problems, has actually, I think, whenever he's been called upon in an Arsenal short shirt in the last few years, been pretty good. And I had no idea why he was dropped for Bellerin against Villarreal. Bellerin, a player whose stock has massively, massively fallen over the past couple of years. And if he wasn't so good at sort of branding himself off the pitch, I think would be quite an irrelevant <laughs> footballer at this point, to be honest with you. Um, he's just not 
and I'm not entirely convinced that he's a Premier League footballer, Hector Bellerin. Um, whereas Callum Chambers has limitations in terms of his physicality and his athleticism, but has a good head on his shoulders and is a positive he's a professional, footballer. Isn't he, Callum the right decisions. Yeah, very much yeah. so. Um, sort of in that um, Matt Target mold of a, you know, a Southampton defender you know they just sort of bred them with like the likes of Luke Shaw as well these guys are smart yeah. smart footballers um regardless of kind of you know like I was mentioning their physical sort of um capabilities again Matt Target not necessarily the fastest or the strongest mm-hmm. but these guys are they read the game well and they they, yeah. they work for the team properly um on Willian, it's a bit, you know, better late than never in some regards, but also <laughs> it, it just hasn't it hasn't really worked. It was a really, really good free kick. Um, Pepe's goal, another fantastic goal, has trouble sort of performing consistently over 90 minutes, but the talent is there. You just think, he, you know, with the right tactics in place um, and the right sort of players around him, he could actually be something quite special, something close to what we thought we were maybe getting in the first place. I was quite impressed with his... Um, defensive work when he first joined he didn't really seem to want to to work back as much but he's kind of gotten over that and is i think actually quite a, a decent team player he's a confidence player and when it gets knocked you can see that his head goes down but he still takes those chances his stats are you know for a player who hasn't been started a lot throughout his career at arsenal has he's got a decent amount of goals and assists and his end product is actually pretty good he's very very one-footed i wish he would kind of down the line sometimes more than come inside because that's what the defender's expecting and it looks like the opportunity to go past his man is there a lot and he comes inside but when you yeah. come inside and whack one into the top corner then that's all right and that's what he did on the day <laughs> so um looking forward to the rest of the season i don't know if we just need to do what we need to do to win every game to kind of save some face or if we do need to distance ourselves from some of these players who are seemingly gonna probably leave the club um at the end of the season and kind of just draw a line under the likes of, of some of those guys. So like Spurs, it's going to be an interesting summer in terms of ins and outs and um, might even include the manager as well. So um, hopefully things will be better next season. Yeah. <laughs> I agree with you in, in the fact that it's, it is going to be an interest in North London clubs. It's going to be a very interesting summer. If as an Arsenal fan sat here now, do you think Arteta is your manager next season? I would. I've I've lost patience with him. If I was making the decision, he wouldn't be. Can we get someone better? That's a kind of big question. For instance, someone like Potter. You look at when Moyes tried to make the step up from Everton to United. Was it a bit too much for him? Was that even his fault necessarily? I don't know. But likewise with Potter, it's just going to be different level of egos in the changing room to have to deal with. Can he be the guy to command that respect? Does he do a brilliant job setting up his teams tactically and seemingly inspiring what probably at Brighton is a more kind of like English core of players, which we are starting to kind of develop at at Arsenal with the likes of Smith, Rowe and Saka. So that might be something that could actually be beneficial if he were to come in. Um, But yeah, like I said, I don't know if we can necessarily get that guy who's going to be a a guaranteed sort of improvement. Um, If we could have gotten someone like a a Tuchel, um, that would have been... You know, ideal. Uh, maybe we should have cut ties with Arteta sooner than we will. Um, but having said that, I live in the states these days, so you know, sometimes when I wake up to watch these games, it's at four in the morning or whatnot. That's a, like a noon kickoff type thing. So if we if we're losing, I just I just turn turn it off and, and just go back to bed. So it's a little easier for me to stomach than having to live in live in London and deal with the Spurs fans and whatnot. Um, so at the end of the day, 
I've got an Arsenal tattoo, which you can't see right now. So I've kind of like, I'm in it for life at this point and whatever happens yeah. sort of happens. I'm glad that we're bringing through these, you know, likes of Saka, Smith Rowe. Um, Joe Willock is doing well on loan. We'll see if he can come back and have a spot. But um, ideally, from a success point of view, things need to change massively. And I don't think that Arteta's ready yet to be the guy to make that happen. Billy, if you were... If you're Arsenal, do you keep Arteta or do you pull the trigger and get someone else? Um, if I was Stan Kroenke, <laughs> wow. I, <laughs> I'd sell the club, no. <laughs> um, yeah, you've, you've got to get rid of Arteta, I think. You've, you've given him more than enough time to try and build an ethos around the club that clearly hasn't worked. I think now's a good time to cut ties, especially mm-hmm. after the Villarreal results. It kind of gives you an excuse as well. So, yeah, for sure. Whether Who you bring in is a different story, of course. Um, I, d- I don't know, because as we, we mentioned earlier, Graham Potter, I think he, he's a great manager, but you, Kai, just mentioned um, the egos in the dressing room. Will they, because he's not a big name and he comes from a little club called Brighton, will they kind of exploit that? And You can see the likes take, of Aubameyang potentially yeah, exploit kind of take, him, take the you? piss out mm-hmm. of him a bit. So Graham mm-hmm. Potter could be another one of those Moyes-type managers who's probably better off at a mid-table club. It. It's a real, it's a real hard one to figure out who should come in, but it certainly wouldn't surprise me if we were to see Graham Potter at one of the North London clubs next season. Well, you edit here first. We'll clip this Billy for when Graham Potter stays at Brighton. No, I'm joking. Yeah, he, uh, he will do. He will. <laughs> he do. will so I've said it on a podcast. <laughs> exactly. No, I, I, I think Graham Potter's got a big future ahead of him if he wants to mm-hmm. moving on to my club Liverpool obviously beating oh, Southampton to West Brom <laughs> oh yeah go on talk about West <laughs> go on get it out being a Villa lad let it out yeah, we have to talk about Allardyce Allardyce getting relegated yeah yeah it, it's just funny to be honest with you my dad particularly has got a lot of West Brom friends and they were throwing him a bit of banter last season when Villa worth seven points we needed seven points of four games to stay up, down and out, and against all the odds, we managed to do it. And then they obviously come <laughs> up and can't do the same thing. So hey ho, jo- joint <laughs> joint record of um, relegations as well. With uh, can you name the other side? Do you know who the other one is five five relegations? Fulham? Nope. Norwich, uh, yeah, Sunderland, Norwich. yeah, Norwich. It's Norwich. Norwich. It will probably add to that with six next year. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I don't know. I think I think it was a big task for Sam Allardyce to to, to try to keep West Brom. It's up also and... good to see Sam Allardyce go down as well. He won't mm. miss <laughs> yeah. by myself anyway. Of by the total screamers is gone. Yeah, <laughs> Sean Dyche has well and truly took the mantle. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, you know he got four wins out of twenty-two. West Brom squad was never good, good enough to stay up. They didn't invest enough in the summer for me. It's a good championship squad, so I'd imagine you know they probably can just come straight back up again next season if they keep hold of mm-hmm. some of those players. That's that's the thing; they've got a lot of players on loan and a lot mm-hmm. of players that right. like Pereira, Sam Johnson. Pereira, Pereira is good. He's a very good player. Yeah, and again against against Arsenal last night, he showed what he's got with that goal. Ten, ten goals goal this season. 
Yeah. He's great mm. for any any player, but especially one in a relegation battle like him, who's at a club yeah. with a real lack of service. So Hopefully I think he'll be at Villa next season. <laughs> been a lot of rumours going around, so fingers crossed. <laughs> maybe, maybe so. Maybe we'll see him in a claret and blue. Might be for West Ham or Burnley. But you never know. Probably never West know. Ham, actually. Yeah, I can't see him going to Burnley. He doesn't drink pints of Carlin, does he? So. <laughs> He's uh, from that Brazilian place. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Right, move back on to Liverpool. I want to talk about Liverpool. Finally. Got, we got another win. It was a nice win. 2-0, uh, Sadio Mane and Thiago scoring the goals. Mane's first goal in what seemed forever. He's been lacklustre this season, but to be honest, I'm going to cut Sadio Mane some slack. He's played pretty much every game that he could possibly play for Jurgen Klopp when he's not been injured. So, yeah, for me, you know, Mane's season's summed up Liverpool. Bright, but wasteful. Hard-working, but just not hard-working enough. <laughs> Liverpool's season's been a write-off. Leicester losing on Friday has potentially left the, you know, Thiago said it in his press conference, it's left the window open, the door's closed, but the window's open that we could sneak through into the top four. Do I think we will? I- I'm Probably not. We need to win all of our games and hope that teams drop points around us. So it's always a big ask. And, and with injuries still at centre-back, you know, Kabak now being out injured, <laughs> the curse of the centre-backs continue for <laughs> Liverpool. Um, it's, At least Nat Phillips is there. Nat Phillips could could probably marshal the defence on his own. <laughs> the lads are rock. Uh, he's been to be honest. To be honest, he's been great this season. Uh, for some, to be honest, I don't know why he's not coming to the team sooner than he did. He came into the team far too late for me. He was sort of sat on the bench with Henderson and, and Fabinho at centre back, and I was just sort of going, just play him. He's a centre back. Just, yeah. just put him on the pitch and we've seen that he, he has done it he stepped up to the plate and, he, and he's worn his heart on his sleeve and he's headed everything <laughs> that's come at him <laughs> so yeah fair play to Nat Phillips he's been he's had a great season and Reese Williams for me is very young very very inexperienced especially compared to, to Nat Phillips who you know the senior centre-back played less than 30 40 <laughs> games in his career it's ridiculous uh, but yeah no I think that Reese Williams done well. He 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 gets he's left far too exposed at times to me. His pace is lacking. He's lacking that little bit of pace that you probably need to be a top class centre back or even a, a good centre back in the Premier League. But you know he done the job. We got a clean sheet, mostly down to Allison as well. I thought Allison had a really good game, based on really really good saves. Billy, what did you make of of if you watched the highlights back? What did you make of the Liverpool performance? It was the same old story. It has been for. Well, since the turn of the year, really. Just plenty of chances created, but no one putting them away. Um, it was good to see Thiago get his... Was it his first goal, I think? First goal, yeah. yeah. It was good to see him score. But, um, yeah, as you just mentioned, Alisson there. Southampton had plenty of chances to to make Liverpool pay for the mistakes that they made, but they, they made just six, couldn't. six saves against Southampton, yeah. so... one thing I noticed was that you was making a lot of mistakes and as I say Mm. Southampton just couldn't take the most make the most of them should I say that one in particular from uh, the Scott J Adams (laughs) Simo won't be happy with that but (laughs) (laughs) but no um, yeah just the same old story 
That's all I can really say on it, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, it's it's been a it's been a classic Liverpool season of just making so many chances and not not putting them away. Uh, Kai, what did you make of of the game in general? I just wish they could have freed Takumi Minamino. You know those loan clauses when you're not allowed to play against your parent club. There's it's such a rich history of players jumping back and forth between the two clubs. Ings, uh, Van Dijk, Mane, who scored the opening goal. Um, yeah, it's you look at Salah setting up Mane. What a great cross that was, and you know, kind of wonderful. Yeah, hanging out at the back, back post Mane. So it's still there that that quality in the final third. The rest just sort of hasn't been there this season I think probably I would assume suffering from just how gung-ho the football is under Klopp and like a burnout from the exceptional achievement of winning the league last season doesn't help that there's a quick turnaround with kind of COVID leading into the new season so I can only imagine that a lot of these players are burnt out last season in particular there was just a massive reliance on the first team kind of team sheet Um, you didn't see it differ a whole lot this season just by virtue of injuries that potentially been caused by so many of those players playing so many games it's had to change and when that's happened you can see the cracks kind of appear um i agree that you know when you've got a world-class defensive midfielder two of them henderson and fabinho you're better off playing them in their position and you know they'll do twice the job there that they will at center back and just assuming that these guys williams and phillips you know aren't just absolute rubbish which they're not um you know mistakes will come but like you know as you mentioned i think it's you're better off playing them in their correct positions with someone like firmino this season i'm not really sort of like falling off a cliff from from the last campaign i'm not really sure what that's kind of all been about so that hasn't helped integrating someone like jota who's a fantastic player you know you've seen that that could long term be a possible a positive thing for for the club but even with tiago as well kind of asking a lot to go from uh, playing in Spain to to come to England and kind of settle in straight away and carry on from from like a title winning side to keep that going. So it's been tricky. I think you saw the delight in Klopp's uh, kind of reaction to Thiago's goal. He's he's glad, kind of like with with Willian as well, finally <laughs> scoring his first goal. Um, but with Thiago as well, there's been a bit more kind of there throughout the season. Um, so that that was nice to see. And you know, I think given that there's kind of question marks over Wijnaldum's future and stuff like that, it'll be a positive to have Thiago kind of a bit more confident moving into the next campaign. But yeah, I think as we mentioned about City and Chelsea earlier on, Liverpool really outdid themselves because they don't have the depth that those other squads have. Um, and that's become yeah apparent apparent this season. Um, I don't know, Jake, what you make of kind of the, uh, the overachievement. You mentioned it all already, kind of what an achievement it was for Liverpool to win, you know, the league that last season. But does Klopp have a squad that can challenge for the league next season? Uh, is it just a question of Van Dijk coming back and being fit? Because obviously when you lose the best defender in the world, that's going to make a, a big difference to any team. I think that a fully fit Liverpool squad definitely challenges for the league. You know, it's not it's not just Van Dijk. It, you know, it's, it's Matip, it's Gomez, it's putting your midfielders at centre-back. It, it, you know, it all sort of snowballs and snowballs and creates a, a problem all down the pitch the strikers have been wasteful there's no or Liverpool season would be a lot better if the, the strikers that you know have been scoring 30 goals a year all three of them had scored 30 goals again this year you know Mane's only got nine I, th- I think Firmino's got like four or five he's been nowhere near his best this season Mo Salah to be fair as you know he's, he's still at the same standard in terms of goals he's still in over 20 goals this season penalties but still 
still very wasteful. Penalties are penalties. Penalties are gold. But no. Uh, yeah, this is Marnie's still... lowest scoring season for Southampton or Liverpool since he's moved to England. Yeah. He's never scored. I mean, he might get a couple between now and the end of the season, but this is the least he's scored, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, and you know, I agree with you. I think that, you know, using three centre-backs and then losing your midfielders that play at centre-back, it, it, it never helps. The strikers have been wasteful. Jota came in to try and take the burden off them. He did at the beginning and then he got injured and he's come back into the side and, and he's starting to see the best of him again. The, the quick turnaround from last season definitely hasn't helped and I just think it's been a it's been a strange season in general. We've seen that with the results and, and a lot of teams' performances. But I think for us, it, it, you know, it, for me definitely, I just sort of want the season to be over. If, if we don't get Champions League football, you know, I said to Billy in the group chat, if we don't get Champions League football, I, you know, I don't want to be in the Europa League because I'd, I'd rather have that clear run, you know, at, at the title where you can sort of, you know, knowing that you're going to be playing once a week. And I think for a, a Liverpool side that has had so much fatigue and injuries this season, if we have a clear sort of run next year, you know, just playing in the league and, and just playing in the cup competitions, then I think that it, we potentially have the capacity to really hurt hurt sides with the, the freshness that we can bring in, especially if we can bring in one or two more players. I think we need a centre-back for sure. I've, this season proves that we definitely need a centre-back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I'd, I'd probably, you know, like to bring in another forward player, someone who's, who's young and hungry to sort of replace a Rigi who's definitely fell off a cliff. I mean, if one player has fallen off a cliff over the last two years, it's Divock Origi. <laughs> um, and then, you know, like you said, Wijnaldum's contract situation's up in the air. I think he is going to go personally. I don't think, I think if he would have signed a contract, he would have signed a contract. So I think that we'll potentially be looking at bringing in another midfielder as well. With Naby Keita being injured every week, you know, Oxlade-Chamberlain <laughs> again being injured. It's we need another midfielder in there for for sure. I think we need to bring in some some youthful players as well because our squad's starting to age a little bit, pushing late twenties. A lot of them, you know, pushing early thirties. The squad is aging, so we we definitely need some some young blood in there to to freshen things up. But I think I think next season could be good for Liverpool if you know if it goes our way if we stay injury free and. <laughs> they put the bloody ball in the net. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, if if they if they start if they play like they did last season, then yeah, I think we've got every every chance at, at going for the league again. Absolutely. Have you guys just been unlucky with the injuries, or you know, you look at someone like Chamberlain who's come in with a bad injury record. I think even mm. Joel. Well, I don't know if he's just developed that since he's been at Liverpool, but Matip's had a bad injury record. Is this you know you can't do anything when Jordan Pickford just you know snaps someone's ACL? That's that's not really anyone's <laughs> fault, but Jordan Pickford's. But beyond that, is does Klopp or the recruitment team have to take a look at themselves or the physio team? Sometimes in the past, there's been a bit of an inquest at Arsenal with regards to the amount mm. of injuries that are picked up on the training field, not necessarily from from impact challenges. Um, do you think that it goes deeper than just bad luck? You know, I think actually we last season took your first team physio or, or doctor off you. And he came to us and then all of our injury problems started there happening. So yeah. potentially a correlation <laughs> in there that this guy needs to be sacked and maybe questioned his medical license. Um, no, I, I mean, I, I don't know. I think Jürgen Klopp plays a certain style of football. He demands a lot from his players. Up until this season, I think we've been quite lucky in terms of injuries. We've not really had many, apart from, like you said, the likes of Oxlade Chamberlain, who he's a remarkably good footballer when, on his day. And then his first season he came in, he was unplayable. 
and then again got unlucky with a bad tackle and done his his um his knee and then it's sort of been the same from there. It's little niggles here and there. Joel Matip just permanently seems to be get, having something wrong with him. Again, a well a, a world class centre back on his day, but he, he just struggles to stay fit. So I, I think that we probably need to look at giving the players a, a, a break and. You know, maybe I'm I'm not I'm not a, a physio or anything like that, so I, I can't comment on you know how the, how hard they work in training. <laughs> so, uh, but I, I you'd like to think that that they're looking at this season and going right, what's gone wrong? Where's the injury? Because there's a lot of training ground injuries, a lot of training ground injuries. Mm-hmm. So I'd like to think that they're going to sit down in the summer and go right, we need to obviously change something because every week someone's getting injured in training. You know, it's it's just it's not really what you expect from an elite club with elite athletes, you know, they shouldn't be having these just constant injuries all the time when they're just kicking a ball in training or running around in training. Uh, like you say, tackles in a the game, there's nothing you can do about that. It's just one of those things. You know, it's the risky, but I don't know. It's an interesting summer again for, again, for, you know, for another side, we're another side like Arsenal and, and Tottenham with a, a big summer coming up because mm. we definitely need some something to change. Um, um, just going back to the injuries, though, quickly as an as an outsider looking into Liverpool, I think as you mentioned, you've been really, really lucky with injuries in the last couple of years, and yeah. I don't know. It's you've just been able to maintain the same group of thirteen, fourteen, fifteen players for for those two years. Yeah, and injuries were going to come at some point. It's unfortunate that it's happened all at once. But you've got to expect injuries in football. And I think looking for, for me as an outsider looking in, it's kind of like, all right, now you've got your injuries, deal with it, kind of yeah. <laughs> deal with it kind of thing. And as I say, it's it is unfortunate that it's happened all at the same time, but it's football. Injuries yeah. are a part of football and they will come at some point. And as you say, you've been really lucky in the last couple of years. Yeah, I, I agree with you, mate. We, you know, we we have been lucky. I think any Liverpool fan will tell you that we have been lucky. I just like you say though, when you get <laughs> six <Yeah>. or seven <laughs> or ten, we had ten players out this weekend uh, from your first team squad, and that's just ridiculous. <laughs> you know, there's no club in the world that can can have ten players out, and it, except Man City, who changed nine of them, <laughs> you know, they'd be fine with ten players out. <laughs> uh, but. Yeah, it was bound to come. We've just been unlucky that it has been all at once yeah. and in the same season. But I think in terms of seasons, it's probably not the worst season for it to happen. And yes, we were champions last season, but that hoodoo is gone now. It's off our backs. It's not something that we have to worry about. You know, the 30 years is, is, is ended, you know. <laughs> so it's it's a, it's going to be a, an interesting season next season. I think next season will be better with, with crowds back in. I think it will... I think the likes of Bobby Firmino and players like that, who are players that strive and live to play in front of an audience. And, mm. you know, we've seen it when crowds come back early in December and, and Firmino was sort of getting back to his best a little bit and he looked dangerous again. And then the crowds went and so did Firmino, it seems. <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah. I think, I think that's been it. Sorry. No, I was go just going to say that I think the fans have been a massive part of not not just... Obviously not just Liverpool, but everyone. It's like it was yeah. the same with Jack Grealish as well when football yeah. came back last year. He wasn't the same player as what he was before that. And I personally put it down to the reason that he didn't have the crowd to 
edge him on. The opposing yeah. fans booing him, taking the piss out of him, taking the mick out of his hair and things like that. Grealish. They're entertainers, right. aren't they, these footballers? Yeah, exactly. You know, they, they live to entertain. Yeah. It's their job and at they, the end of the day. Yeah, it's, it's like a comedian. Put yeah. Stick a comedian in an empty theatre and he's going to be rubbish. But stick yeah. him in a in a Wem- Wembley packed out, it's going to be brilliant, you know? So I think, yeah, it, it has had a massive effect on players. Fortunately for Villa and Grealish, he managed to, he managed to kind of get got past over it. it. <laughs> yeah. But no, I can completely understand why it would have had a massive effect on players like Firmino. Because as you say, they're performers at the end of the day. Yeah. Completely agree. And just to add to that, like you look who won the league last season, Liverpool, and you look at Sheffield United, dismal season this season, how good they were last time as well. The fans yeah. clearly make a massive difference. Especially for a team like Sheffield United as well, because they, that Bramall Lane is it's just, a hot, it's a hot bed, it's isn't it? So it's so intense. Yeah. yeah, it's just so intense. And for players to have that and to thrive off it and to feel like they've got a million men behind them pushing them on it's it's going to have the world a difference isn't it I completely agree with you I do think that next season will be better when fans are back I couldn't agree more with you lads but sadly that is all we've got time for an hour has flown by flown by boys talking about football Kai an absolute privilege to get you on mate and we'll definitely need to get you on again sometime in the future uh, do you want to give your pod a sh- give your pod a shout out mate and uh, let the listeners know where they can find you as well yeah, I want to say thanks real quick. An absolute pleasure to to join you guys. Really appreciate you having me on. Um, but yeah, if anyone wants to check out uh, my podcast that I do with my friend Joe, it's the United Mates Football Podcast. Uh, on social media, you can find us at United Mates FP. That's Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And then on YouTube as well, uh, just look for United Mates Football Podcast. And you can find that under United Mates Football Podcast where you find all your favorite podcasts uh, as well. So yeah, thanks again, guys. Appreciate it. Pleasure, mate. And Billy, pleasure as always having you on, mate. Always good to talk football with you. Yeah, I completely agree, mate. Pleasure as always. And thank you, listeners, for listening. Uh, if you're watching on or listening on YouTube, don't forget to like, subscribe and share. And don't forget that we are still sponsored by Manscaped. So don't forget, if you want to go on Manscaped and get 20% off your order, go on to manscaped.com and type in the promo code SCREAMERS20 for 20% off and free shipping on your order. Thank you very much. Cheery bye. Find more great shows or join the team at sport-social.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.